Yeah, so fishing, it was a drag. Fishing, it was a... Oh, I get it. Well, oh, well, because that's too. Because the drag on the yeah, line? being a dragger was kind of a drag. Hey, wait a second. We're rolling. All right, well, then let's roll. Well, I'm Rich. And I'm Mark. And we are Two, two guys, guys on Block Island. What shall we do with the all right, so uh, we have a great guest with us here. Um, I'm going to say kind of a historian. Yeah. Uh, I think we're going to learn a lot about the old days on Block Island, older days. Um, and it's uh, our friend Dickie Stinson. So, How's it going, Dickie? Uh, very good. Fine, All thank right. you. Yeah. All yeah. right. So, uh, Dickie, we, we like to lead everybody off kind of in a similar start, and that's uh, how did you land on Block Island? Well, <laughs> my family's from Block Island. Back through my grandparents, uh, my grandfather came here in the year 1900 from Swans Island, Maine, and my grandmother's family goes back quite a ways. Her maiden name was Smith, and then when she married my grandfather, she comes from a very large family. My grandfather was born in 1880. She was born in 1882 over here, and naturally here it became a Stinson, and that's where the Stinson name comes from, Swans Island, Maine. He was a commercial fisherman, also his family, and they pretty much uh, fished out of Rockland, which is north of that. Uh, we took him back one time, my father and I and my mother, just to see, you know, where you know where he had lived and our heritage. But pretty much, a brother, my brother and sister were also my brother and sister were both born here. I I was born. At Saint, I think it was St. Joseph's in Providence because my mother had said she'd had enough of this. this <laughs> Rolling the dice. I yeah, the baby she, on Long uh, she says, we're not doing this over here anymore. So <laughs> she went up there. My f- grandfather brought her over on the boat, on his boat. Uh, when he first came here, <laughs> this whole fishing stuff naturally back through him. When he first came here, <clears throat> He ran a little cat boat, but then he was owner, one of the owners of the Clary, which was a schooner, and was part of on uh, February uh, 11th, 1907, was a disaster out here with the Larchmount, and there were three schooners. The Elsie, which was named after my grandmother, that was pretty much all Smiths, and the Clary, which my grandfather was on, that was pretty much all Dodges, and then the other one was the Teresa which was the Sanchez. And it's pretty interesting because there was 165 people lost. And back in those days, they didn't have, you know, the tally like you do nowadays. But uh, Elsie had eight survivors. And they were, the Larchmount, uh, the accident was in the nighttime, a gale of wind, no west. So the bodies floated southeast naturally to Clay Head. Uh, and that's how they got uh, found out what was going on. So there was a boat called the Chickasaw, which back in those days was life-saving, pretty much like the Coast Guard. Well, she came out of Newport and had to turn around and go back because it was so bad. Uh, but the other, you know, the three schooners out of here, and it was this wasn't something that went on for, you know, two or three hours. It went on for two, three, four days. And I can remember sitting on the porch, uh, where my grandfather, the house that he bought, you know, when my father was born, right right down from the Highview, it's called Corner Cottage now with that hedge on it. 
Well, we used to sit out on the porch, and he loved to talk about the old days fishing and whatnot. But he had said with that, when they had that disaster, of course, you got to remember then, everything's done by sale, so they had to sail up and put the dories out and get them aboard and all that stuff. So so they uh, did that in this storm. In they, this when storm, the Coast Guard turned around and went home. They went back, right. But these guys jumped in the schooners and yep. went out there. Or then stayed there, right. Wow. And the Elsie, they were probably 60, 70 feet in length, uh, the schooners. And But like I say, back in those days, uh, he was on the Cleary. He was one of the owners. What they, what people did back in those days, you know, you didn't go to a bank and go through a mortgage so much as everyone had amount of money that they put into it. So they became one of the owners. So when, uh, and that was all the Dodges. And is that where the term share comes from? Yes, like, right. When you Both, say, well, right. this boat runs and I get three shares and he right, gets two right. shares exactly. because it depends on the percentage. Say, I've owned boats all my life and that's pretty much what you do. You, sh- you call it sharing up and- the boat gets a certain amount of the, the gross stock, and then the rest, you know, is split up amongst the people, a quarter share, a half share, a full share of what's left. That's where that comes from. But they, uh, we used to, and the thing about this, there's pictures, a lot of pictures of it that they had to literally cut cut the hair up because it was so cold and ice, you know, just to get the bodies into into the dories and, and then get them ashore. Well, I have all kinds of stuff. <clears throat> which I gave to, gave to Keith Lewis, and one of them is a document of how this happened. It was uh, the Carnegie Foundation. It was the first time that the Carnegie Foundation gave out more than one award. They gave out all the crew on the Elsie because they had survivors, and the rest of them got this big document with a blue seal on it like I have. Excuse me, but I gave that to Keith because up in his... <clears throat> Upstairs, he has a uh, a room that he he paid a guy to to make a model of the lodge mount, and he's got models of boats and stuff, and he's got all these pictures. And I gave him this document because I didn't want it to get lost, and it says right on there how it had happened. But they were all fishermen, and then as far as my father, when he was born, nineteen fifteen, before that, after the Clary, my grandfather had a boat called the Topman. And I don't know if you remember Linus Dodge at all. Well, Linus's uh, two sons were Evan and Elwin. They, they're all passed away now, naturally, but uh, I was very close to all of them. Elwin just passed a few yeah, just a couple a little, years ago. Yeah, not even. Yeah, maybe just about that. And I right? think is it a, he's either got a grandson or a granddaughter that they named after him. I think. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah, yeah his yes. his granddaughter. It'd be great. It's his great grand. D- daughter, I think. Yeah, yeah. He's. I just thought that was uh, pretty oh, cool. A, oh, a cool he's a, name to pass on. Yeah, he's he's a character. He was super nice. I think Elwin was. Uh, I I was very close to him, and more so, more so than Elwin than Evan only because of I saw more of him and whatnot. Well, Linus lived to be just a few days shy of a hundred years old. Well, Elwin just passed away a couple of years ago, and he was ninety four. But Evan, Evan died, actually, I think he was like 68, uh, bring to him or whatever. But that, our families were very close. And you know George Dodge. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, he and I are very close, yeah. very close. Yeah. And I took him fishing with me on the Ocean Clipper one, sword fishing, where we used to fish off of Nova Scotia more than anything. And, of course, then when the egg line went into effect, which is a territorial border between two and a mile limit between 
uh, the United States and Canada. Uh, I think that finally went into effect about 1982, I believe. But we used to fish all the way down there. And, and you know, that we, that was our living, sod fishing. But my grandfather, he had the topman. And then when my father was born, uh, he had the boat called the Stanley. And that's what they did. They went sod fishing. And I started when I was 11 years old with my father right out here. And uh, so you were born in Providence, Providence but, but, just, but raised yeah. right back, oh, yeah. right oh, back here. Right. Exactly raised. right. And my yeah. sorry, Dicky, what year were you born? Uh, I was born in uh, 1948, March 12th, 1948. 48. So, and my brother was five years older than I, but it was also in March. I believe it was 42 or 43. And my sister Judy is in between the two of us. You know, Nelson passed away a long time ago, but. Uh, my sister Judy is down in Florida, and I had always said I was going to come back here. I spent a lot of time here, don't get me wrong, but when I had the boat, and just like my father, <clears throat> it got to a point where you went to places where you could take out the, the cost of taking out and getting fuel and ice and everything else, the uh, Point Two Fishman's Cooperative, which I was a member of, I was on the board for, I don't know, about 14 years, I guess. Uh, it was much more feasible to do go there or Newport, yeah, stuff like that. That's what we never. We always came back here summers and vacations. And my grandfather, you know, he stayed here till he died in nineteen sixty three. I guess it was. And so you said you started sword fishing at eleven years when old. When I was eleven. I so never, what was your job on the sword fishing boat? There was three of us: myself, my father. What they uh, called a striker is the guy that went out on the stand, and he actually took the harpoon and struck the swordfish. From the from the stand, and on the at the end of the harpoon, there was what's called a dot, and that went into the fish, came off the pole, so the pole was tied to the stand, and then the sledfish took off with the line, and then we put a buoy over. Then later on, you went and got it. Well, the very first time I went, went I, I fell in love with it immediately. I don't think I don't know of anybody that hasn't. Once they see how this operation works, and this is, called, if I'm correct, me if I'm wrong, this is sight fishing. You're, you're, yeah, yeah, all it's by, all about somebody's up, up on the mast, up right? on the mast, right. looking. They spot the fish, then they try to gently like sneak oh, yeah. the boat. You get, basically get the striker right over the fish, try without, to right that's, without spooking the fish, right? Exactly. Yeah. Sometimes the temperature of the water makes a big difference. They'll be wild, uh, or they'll be just underwater. It's quite a, it's quite a bit to it, and you don't want to go into the sun naturally because then you won't be able to see nothing, or the wind, you try to get, that's quite a bit to it, because every one of those, that's how you're making your living. And the approach, so you're saying yeah, you right, would, on the want to come from a direction where maybe the, you were in the blind spot of the fish. The right, sun, oh, definitely. But it was in front of, some right. was behind you, and a lot of lineup and well, strategy. There. Back in those days, you know, that's where we fished, right out of, out of Block Island, right out there off of No Man's Land, which is off of Martha's Vineyard, uh, southeast of here, but I was told that if I saw a fish and we got it and got it on deck, I'd get five hours. Well, now wow. that you know that was something. That's a lot of money. That was a lot it was. was. Yeah. yeah. Well, the excuse well, me. Block but, Island swordfish was oh, world was, famous. Yeah. Well, you know. I've got pictures at home. In fact, I got a, I've got a pamphlet. I, was, I meant to bring in with me. In 1929, there was a boat out of Block Island called the Anna. And they pretty much, see, I always kept a log of every day how many fish we saw, how many we caught, the water temperature. 
uh, if it was foggy, if it wasn't. Well, this boat, Deanna, in 1929, fished pretty much every spot that we did. They went for two weeks or more at a time, just like we did. It was almost a carbon copy of what we did 50 years later. Well, my grandfather did that too with the Topman and with the with the, the Stanley named after my father. And it's funny, uh, this was by Fred Benson. He It's like a little pamphlet. And it was in the year 1929, and they got, you know, they started out in June, but the same thing, they had to go away to Stonington, or the corp wasn't there back then, but they, you had to get ice and food, and it was just like we did, almost the same thing, but 50 years earlier. Well, my grandfather had said that they had got like 50 fish in one day, and I'm going, yeah, I don't believe this. <laughs> you know, because I just went along with it, and I started da 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 I said, so I started to figure out how, how are you going to get 50 fish in one day, get on the board and all that. Well, we did the same thing with the Ocean Clipper, and we were all done at three in the afternoon. <laughs> not all done completely, all done of, you know, catch them because we had that many in the water. So it can be done. But the difference was we had an airplane, they didn't. We had radars, we had fathometers, we had, you know, everything possible. Of, of electronics where they had nothing. They had a sounding lead, and sounding lead was how they found out. How, it wasn't that accurate. It was better than nothing. And the lead itself, on the bottom of the lead was an indentation that when it hit the bottom, if it was muddy bottom or sandy bottom, would go into that and they'd take it back. Well, that's all they had. So for them to do that, of course, they used dories. We didn't. We hold over the, the dory. The days of the dory, you put a dory over and towed it up with the guy well, in it yeah, right to the keg. Tell us, uh, so you, so the keg is where you, so you dart the fish. Right. Right. Now you got a line. And the line goes over, kind of like in the movie Jaws. I don't want to Oh, yeah, same, idea, it, same, same idea. idea. Oh, yeah. And the, and the float would go over. Right. right. And uh, now could the, could a big swordfish pull that completely underwater? Oh, yeah, we've lost fish. Really? Oh, yeah. Wow. We, the largest fish we ever caught was between, see, on George's Bank, uh, you've got to know these peaks. Then north of that is the uh, northern edge, and there's a like a channel in between. And you always have bigger fish up there. Well, we had left left with we were great ones to go off on our own a lot, and I'm glad we did because Jerry was probably Jerry Adams was probably one of the best of the best. And he'd say, "Dick, what do you want to do?" I said, "Whatever you want, it was fine." But he was always that was super nice guy. Well, we ironed three fish in that deep water, and we, those kegs went down just as, just as fast as the fish because it was in like 120 fathom of water. Well, one of them we never got back. Well, one of those fish, out of the three, we saved two of those and just left them there because there was more fish up to the northwest of that on the northern edge side. But anyhow, uh, we went back because of radar and stuff, and the tide down there always ran hotter southeast that it didn't know us. So you went back and then you went from there and you knew what the tide was doing. Sure enough, sooner or later, you'd pick it up on the radar. Well, one of those two fish that we got back dressed out 690 pounds. Wow. That's, that's, huge. that's huge. Big fish. That's, that's a big, that's, I've that's, never, that's dressed. I've cut up a few sword in yeah, my life. Right. Well, not, most not, generally, the your restaurants want to fish like 200 pounds. I was going to say 180 yeah. is oh, yeah. what I was per, used to perfect. cutting up. That's, yeah. yeah, exactly. Good sized steaks. And, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, the right and, size. And if you had, uh, 
a trip of fish. The largest, largest trip of fish ever to come in, harpoon fish, was us with 165 fish, which 30, 30 or more was a big trip. But we had 50 one day, then we had another day in the fog. I was out in a stand, and Steve North, a friend of mine, he stayed on the lower cross tree, and Jerry stayed in the wheelhouse with the radar, and uh, David Conley, which is part of the Conleys over here, he stayed on deck to do that kind of work. We had, a, you know, it's just like a, a ba baseball, basketball. It's a team, and it's all teamwork. And what I would do is I'd stay out in the stand, and but it was fog. You couldn't see too far, very, very, very close. You couldn't even go aloft because if you did, you wouldn't just about see the water. <laughs> that's how that, yeah, that's how I think it was. Wow. That's how it was. But there was a lot of fish there. Well, that particular day in the fog, we got 37 without the plane. Wow. And, yeah. But the day that we got the 50 fish, we started hauling them like at 3.30 in the afternoon. And we didn't. We went through all that day, all that night, and then the next morning, just about daylight. And you talk about being beat. And that's, right. that's dressing yeah. them, getting them down the hole. When we left the dock, we left with a 20-ton of ice or more, usually 22, 24 tons, something like that. So, I mean, there's an awful lot to it. But I'll never, you've got to move that ice. So, oh, yeah. If, you if got you don't, to, so what you, your ice is all in, say, two storage, in the, say, in the aft or bow. We had, the them, we had them in both. Yeah, in so both. Because you could, you could yeah. work both ends. And that way you can have – so, in other words, they're compartments, and then you would stack a layer of ice, a layer of fish. Then right. you have to shovel more ice, then more fish. Oh, yeah, it's a lot so to it. by the end of the trip, you've moved – all those tons of ice oh, back at least twice. And all those tons of fish. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. You hoist them down. Then when you have two guys down in a hole that you can, you would lift them, you'd get them up just as, you'd put the real big ones on bottom of the, first of all, when you left the dock, every pen had about three foot of ice in it. That was the bed that you were going to use. And then, you know, that it hardened up. And then you started putting the fish down on each side to make sure, you know, you try to keep it as level. It's a lot, it was a lot to it. It wasn't just say, well, there's a swordfish. So that didn't work that way. Yeah, we, we, we always used to say, we want a top fish. And yeah, you that, know. That meant I was just, yep. you, you were getting last fish on the boat exactly. is on the top. Because ah. some are a week or too old, but yep. perfectly preserved. Oh, unbelievable. They're, they're holding like 31 degrees. Unbelievable. So they're, they're just a shy of frozen. So yeah. when, you would, when you'd come back into, did you bring the fish back here to Block Island, or did you, you We'd put always, that over on the mainland? No, most of them went to the mainland. We would always come in and actually... My parents and my father, where he had done this all, it was it was a like a thing to see this boat come in, great big high top dinner. She was always painted up beautiful, and then, but the, do you remember? But the high view, there was a guy named Andy Anderson. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. we ran the high view after him, but oh really? Radio uh, out to the boat. Oh uh, he yeah we, we yeah. well he talked he always wanted the fish on the top like you're saying top fish yeah and about 180 200 pound. Oh, he was he was he was really a super and, and person. When we, we so Gary and I we ran uh, the high view for one season. Oh, I didn't know that. The really. restaurant part, yeah. yeah, and the the chest is still in the walk in. So there's a oh yeah, it looks like a giant wooden call. Oh yeah, he he made but it for it's, that. It's made and built into right. the walk in, and it's just to put a two hundred. That's why he was wanted to size. Right, wow. exactly. He wanted the fish. It was built just the right size. And he yeah. always he you guys always gave a beautiful piece of fish. Oh, gorgeous! Just cut just right right size it was unbelievable. Oh. And we would always go go up there and. You know, because we were very friendly with him. Yeah. And one of the things was, you know, the price and everything else. He said that price doesn't mean nothing. You make it up on the on the bill. 
Yeah. Otherwise, he says that's the way it is. It is that in anything. You can't that's, get a fresher no, swordfish. No, than exactly. A, than a top fish off right. a boat that just pulled into Old Harbor. There was a place over here, and it's still here now. I'm not going to say any names, but it was funny. The woman that had it, because we 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 usually sell about twenty fish over here, uh, dead eye dicks. Uh, it was pretty much all restaurants. Well, she said to me, she says, well, will you dress this? I said, sure. It was a small fish, 100 and a half or so. And then it just got to a point. She said, well, said, I think you're charging too much. I said, well, that's cute. After doing all this. <laughs> I said, that's good. I didn't say it. So I said, well, she said, what are you doing? I said, I'm just going to take the fish back. There's plenty of people that want. Oh, no, 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 no. I said, well, where did you come up with this number? Said, well, I talked to Red Seafood up in Providence. Said, oh, isn't that nice? Well, why didn't you get it there? Says, well, he can't get any. <laughs> and then she looked at me. And then she said, oh, by the way, I'm going to make a checkout. I said, no, you're not. That was not how it was set up. Yep. Either yeah. this. And I had to, it was almost like a tug of war between the two. Oh, yeah, yeah. But anyhow, well, after, buying after, is, after that, I said, I mean, doing this so well, that was her, anyhow. But yet she'd always say, it was, it was like a game type of thing. Don't get me wrong, I'm not criticizing. Just, oh, yeah, yeah just, of course. If, a, if you're going to get upset about the price, we'll get it somewhere else. That's I, all, very simple. We, I used to call it the oh shit number. Somebody would say, you know, how much, I think I've said this before too, is how much is codfish today? I'd call the fish money. Like, oh, yeah. 650 right. a pound. I'm like, oh shit. And they'd be like, all right, six and a quarter. Like just yeah. by saying those words, you get 25 cents a pound off or 50 <laughs> well, cents a pound. Well, what we off. used to do, what we would get at the co op, because that's where we took out. Would usually charge a quarter more over here because number one, it was the precious stuff, mm -hmm. and I had a I had a truck over here to break, take the truck. And it, my father would ride around him and Jerry Adams that had the boat would ride around together. Just they'd get they'd go to every bar, but they'd have to you'd have to go and have a drink or something. Of course, I'd say, they said this is a fiasco. <laughs> this is turning into. But I don't know. But it was something that you did. It was. It was. You have to stop somewhere. And the, oh, the people that used to come down and watch you and everything else. It was. It was quite a show. But the, that day and age is gone. The last fresh swordfish that came in here was stuff that we brought in on. Uh, actually, it was uh, this guy named Rod Sykes. Actually, I was talking with him last night. Uh, he rigged. I gave him the stuff off the Ocean Clipper when I sold it. The stand and. But then we also had, we all had a stand from Jerry's little boat too, a little bit shorter and aluminum and dots and warps and all that stuff. And we would make a trip every year and then, you know, we'd, we'd leave the point, come in here, visit with everybody. And then when we came back, we'd come in here and, and sell. You know, we never caught a hell of a lot, that's for sure, but there wasn't much around. It was more of nostalgia than yeah. anything. Yeah. And we had one good year that, that, uh, it was like it had been 20, 30 years earlier, and we didn't use any plane. It was just what we did ourselves. It was a lot of fun. Well, what's happened now? It's, it costs it costs so much to do that. We just don't do it. Yeah, the price fuel. Of, and, yeah, oh, fuel. This, yeah. this, even dragging now when they're dragging. <clears throat> those trips when we when I was fishing with it with the Ocean Clipper and Jerry and them, you, you bought diesel fuel for sixteen cents a pound. Yeah, you know, uh, sixteen cents a gallon. Where now? It's probably four or five dollars a gallon. It went up to uh, five dollars. Yeah. It's, so by the time you figure pricey. all that out, and you know those engines and those boats, <laughs> they use a lot of fuel. There's no. It's very very expensive. So we don't do it. We had our own plane. You know that was the gig too. That when the, they they the, started with the plane, swordfishing when you're on the ground. Yeah. And they would come out of 
what they did, they took, uh, the thing was, they couldn't really carry enough in the wing tanks. So a guy come up with using crop duster tanks that were belly tanks and turn them into fuel tanks. Modify them. Yeah, exactly. So you can make a longer trip yeah, offshore. Yeah, right. You had so many hours. So we, we have to explain something just right, right. for the listeners. So the at some point, technology of airplanes came along, and there were planes for hire that would come out, and they'd fly overhead, spot the swordfish, right. and radio to the boat below, you know, coming around 20 degrees northeast to the north, oh, and, yeah. you're, and you're going to come right up on it. And so that was your eyes, instead of just having the eyes well, what, in that crow, what are they, not the crow's nest, well, but the just the, the topness, the topness. The topness. Instead of just having that high, now you're way up there. So you could see. Well, what you know. they would do is communicate with us, Steve. And I, would, I did the staring, and Steve stayed on the topness until we finally, when he would say, over here, you'd look at the plane, they'd make a circle. And you'd go, and then he'd say, okay, the fish is 25 boats from you. All right, right now it's at 12. But he'd talk a boat lengths. And then he'd get, if you hadn't seen him by four or five boats, you'd slow down or something because you were pretty much probably looking over them. But we never had that problem because we had such a high, we had the highest topmost of anybody. And that was the reason, you know, it's a money-making thing. It's a business you're doing. You're not doing this for fun. It's a, yeah. it's a business. But people, when you hired a plane of, uh, what they would do when it first started, it was the, uh, I can't think of the name now, they were out of Sitchwood, Mass, and they, they were pilots themselves, and they owned a boat and this and that. Then people started buying planes because if you hired somebody to come, it was like $100 an hour uh, just to have the plane come and then $100 a fish and this and that. So it, it was pretty expensive, but you that's part of business if you didn't have yeah. them. You yeah. know, the guys that had a plane, they might have 30 fish, and you might have two. <laughs> yeah, that's how, right. that's how much Slight difference. difference. Yeah. Yeah. So then when you started when you started fishing, it, you were still harpooning when right. you were a kid, 11 years exactly. old. Yeah, let's yeah, that, go back it, to that. Yeah, All let's right. go back okay. to that, because I heard stories back in the day. Now, wasn't there somebody that would then, once you speared a fish, wouldn't there be someone that would get into a smaller yeah, rowboat? Yeah, they get into a dory. The spotter, right. what was right. that called? Or, or it's the, called a dory. The dory, yeah. The dory, and that's what they did. Yeah. They didn't, you know, they didn't pick them up themselves. I'll tell you a funny story about that. There was a very close friend of ours at that time you're talking about. His name was Harry Allen. But they nicknamed him Lightning because he didn't move too fast. <laughs> so uh, had a feeling. <laughs> he would get he would get in the dory, but he had a he had an old bathtub in the dory. And he said, What the heck is this all about? He was so afraid of seeing swordfish would punch a boat. Think enough, oh yeah. My father, oh, oh yeah, so, and he was so afraid he was going to get punched. He said, "You going to get me? I'm going to be in that bathtub." Now we're just driving. Oh yeah, oh they did. Oh yeah, we wow. got, We used to get punched with a big boat, you know, the Ocean Clipper, yeah. right on the bow. And when we hauled out, you could see where they punched it and then broke off. You could feel it in here. But she was playing three inch oak, you know, where my father had that happen in the Judy Lee, and you know she was what forty feet and. Uh, they they put a soft patch on, hauled out as soon as we got in. That was back in the period of time. So those fish swim fast enough oh, to yeah, when fast. they hit that boat, the spear, their, their the sword, sword goes into the Oh, yeah. Sword Sometimes fish fight back. go right through it. Holy cow. Oh, yeah. That was so a wait, why'd that. the guy have the bathtub in the dory? With so him? if he came up through the dory, he'd have to hit the bathtub instead it's of like hitting him. sitting on your helmet in a helicopter when you're in the war. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't get shot. Were you ever the guy in the boat, the, the little boat? 
Oh, I've done that before. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. How old were you? Were you a kid doing that? Oh, oh, yes. 13, 14 years old. So you're telling me, here's what you're saying, is that you'd get put into a dory, and the the main boat would take off, Oh, they go go off, see if they get another one. And they're gone. Oh, yeah. And you're just sitting there out at sea with this- With the fish, all right, trying to, you know, to get him up. Then when you got him up, you put a fluke rope around his tail, tied him off, and if there was another cake close, you went and got that one. How old were you when you were doing this? About 13, 14 years old. Get out of Come yeah. on. I started when I no was No child older. labor laws back then. I thought dishwashing was all I would do anything to go. Yeah, yeah. I really, and everybody else, there was a, a big, I was just talking to a friend of mine. Uh, they were out here at that period of time. We we ended up going to school together, South Kingston, but we didn't know each other at the time. And uh, he was a dragger, but they got three fish that day and they pulled him with a dory. Wow. Pretty much, we used to, with my father, would take the dory. Back. So what would happen if you were out in the dory? Let's say you were you got into the dory and, and the, the, the main fishing boat took off. What happens if like the fog rolls in? Well, that kids? was not uncommon. Did that happen to you? Uh, not to me personally, no, okay. but I've seen that happen. Whew. In fact, it was funny. We had a, he's, this fellow's passed away now. He's a real character, uh, Pierce Chapel, and he was on the Ocean Clipper when they were fishing. You know, I wasn't on the boat at the time. I was... I. I was with Fisher, my father wasn't that old anyhow, but uh, the fog shut in down on George's bank. And in this little pamphlet I've got, there's a lot of about other, you know, that's the home of the fog down that place. So when you were sword fishing, you made sure that you knew where that dory was and you put put watch people out. Well, anyhow, they, they went from dories to like a big work skiff with an outboard on it so they could steam over to where the, the next keg, you know, that's, what they did later on, but in the time you're talking about, it was just plain dories. Well, anyhow, the Russian fleet was working around there, and they had these big, big engines in them. Well, the Ocean Club had what was called a Cooper Bessma, and so, you know, slow turn 300 RPMs at max, but made giant pistons the whole nine yards, but it was a clunkety clunk clunk, you know. Well, that's what these, <laughs> what these power boats were like. Well, Pierce, <clears throat> he's, he's no doubt said, well, I'll Cut the distance between the big boat. He's, I'm lost in the fog. And yeah, well, he ended up going to one of these Russian boats. Oh, <laughs> and they took him aboard, the boat and everything. Now, <laughs> now, now, poor Jerry, he's in tears. Thinks he lost him. Thinks he, oh, my God. And Pierce, I, lost, Pierce. I lost the kids. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he, he gave Pierce all the hell. Pierce, he didn't give a shit. He was on the boat telling stories drinking and drinking vodka. Wine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, Did you ever have any scary moments out on the no, ocean where no, you were like, uh oh, no. this might be it? No, oh no. No, no not really. Wow, okay. I mean, to me, the sketchiest thing had to be the weather forecasting well, right, back then. Exactly. You had no idea what if, was coming. If, if it was you know? stormy yeah. weather, you, you kept the dory right on deck or you, know, you kept towing it. It was a because boat. You, you could tell a lot. You get experience enough to feel the oh, next yeah. day. Well, you, oh, yeah. you can feel tomorrow. You can get an idea. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. It's going to turn tomorrow well, and be a little lousy or it's going to be drier yeah. or nicer. Exactly. But beyond that, you got nothing without right. you know, what we have today. We've had times that fog would come in so quick and a mass being so high and there would be planes down there and the fog shut in. We've had been, we have been in a situation down there where you could look over, it'd be a fog bank down on the water. You couldn't see nothing on the water, but we could see where a boat was, and the guys in the topmast see the rigging, but you couldn't see the water. Oh, because it was oh, wow. very low. It was right, just exactly. on the surface right. of the water. So you just see like the mast going yeah, through the fog yeah. oh, with somebody weird. up there. Oh, it was weird. Wow. And we, where there was times that if a plane 
didn't know where his boat is, and it was a situation like we're talking about. We knew everybody. We all, all of us know each other. So we would tell him, because you could see him on the radar. And, of course, the planes don't have radar on them, naturally. But we could tell him where to go. And then they most of them would go home. You know, they go to Nantucket first, stop at Nantucket, get more fuel. And most of them uh, stayed a place in uh, Massachusetts. Uh, it was the guy's dead now, but uh, it was called Motika's. And that's where you kept the plane because the distance from from there down to where we were fishing is a long ways. And they had to be super careful to make sure they had enough fuel to get back again. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, you know, there's been planes lost. Don't get me wrong that. You know, something went wrong. You know, that was this. It was tough to get somebody to uh, to fly for you, mainly if you knew that you were going to be down there. If if you're going to be right out here or somewhere, you know, they love that. But we had always found that. You know, we caught fish out here, but the real trips came from way to the east. And number one is that (laughs) you weren't going to come home back and forth. And when it was bad weather, you laid too. We've had days, like two or three days in the fog, waiting for a good day. Just, I, and that's that was all part of the game. Yeah, just part of it. Yeah, I don't know if it's just me or not, but the fog really affects my stump, my motion sickness. Oh, oh yeah. Is that, of, am I making that up? No. Or is that, so, like, if we go on a, it could be rough as hell. If we go out there and it's a breezy day and clear, I have no problems. But if it's if you can't orientate, like I used to the be land, the same way. I, I feel so seasick. Is that why they tell you to look at the horizon line if you're ever it, in rocky well, waters? So, I've heard that. For so. me, it's just disorienting because you're yeah. you you can't anticipate the movement. That, that's the way I was. Yeah, I used to. Okay, have to come, not, oh no, not at all. Okay. I, I used to come from the top mist when it was like that. I'd come down and go on the first cross street. And he said to Steve and Steve, I'm going down below because you, you, yeah. it's motion sickness. Right. But also, I think a lot of it is in your head because you, you've yeah. had it so many times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You say, oh, yeah. I ain't going to go through that again. Yeah. yeah. No, but I'd go down to me, first cross street and I'd be fine. Same <laughs> ocean. Foggy day, I feel oh, sick. Clear yep. day, I feel fine. It's yeah. definitely something to do with my combination oh, yeah. of what a, I'm seeing and yeah. what I'm feeling. There's, at the a, same there's time. a lot to it. There's no and doubt. I think you have a little level of stress. It goes up a notch worrying about another boat coming oh, out definitely. of nowhere. I mean, you know, you, you're instead of relaxing and you look over your shoulder once in a while and yeah, you see yeah. that boat coming at three miles well, away, you're constantly like, you know, all yeah. the time looking. Well, the other direction. thing that, especially in the fog, that you're nervous about back then. Now they 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 got radars now that when you look into it, it tells you the right on the radar. It's a tracking of the boat. In other words, the steamers that come from Europe go right across Georges. Oh yeah. So back in those days, they didn't have all these, you know, uh, types of radar, but you could hear them. Yeah. And just because, you know, just like a, any type of an accident, it takes two people. Well, it takes two boats, and even with all the modern technology, yeah. they still have some of these accidents. Well, those big ships, the radar's so high up that oh, if, de- you're, if you're definitely. down low and they don't catch you, so we used to know. we used to just steer. I tell everybody, look, I said, turn around, just steer back the way you came. I said, and if you hear it, and you can you can tell which way it's going, go behind it, not in front of it. Naturally, so you're definitely going to be all right. But it's still, it's you yeah. get nervous. Yeah. And they'll. Re- I I did one trip. And you have to some you have to take a turn on uh, night watch. Oh yeah, where you're watching for then they called it watching for heavy yeah. metal. Oh definitely, that's right. a what they call a big freighter. And when one goes oh. by, they're so tall. I mm. mean, they would crush you even if you're in a fifty oh, yeah. foot boat. They'll crush you and not even know they hit yeah. you. Oh, they, and, exactly. You know, they don't exactly. even know. They, wow. they really you know, don't. They don't people, have any idea. People say, "Oh, that's not the case." My father uh, used to 
with the Judy Lee. He did some what they see when a lot of boats used to come off of Block Island, and then they, what they did was they had a pilot come and pilot from the mainland on another boat to pilot them up to Providence, uh, whatever. There's certain places where you had to have a pilot, but you naturally would bring a pilot out to these boats. Well, I did that once with my father. I said, eh, I don't think much of this. Because you had your, the boat's yeah. doing this, you got your hand on this, <laughs> looking on and he's trying to get to a ladder down. I said, what are you doing this for? <laughs> yeah, we talked about that yeah. with yeah. one oh, of our guests. Yeah. Ooh, that is. Yeah, no, it's weird. a sketchy job. But, and when yeah. they're out of gear, they're still doing about five or six knots. Oh, yeah, it takes, yeah. Them, you takes got them, them 10 steam. miles to stop. Oh, definitely, you know? yeah. Yeah. It's, it's quite a bit to it. When did you cut the engines before I could see the land? <laughs> yeah. Because, you, you know, you still. Yeah. They you had know. to see pilots. There used to be a pilot out of here called uh, Lis Paso. This was years and years ago, and that's what he did. You know, he took pilots out to the boat, and then yep. they would call, and he'd go back and take them ashore. You know, once they got once they got to, most of them were going up to Providence to get rid of fuel oil or whatever. They still do that stuff. Oh, yeah, they, they still to, have them. It's I, a regular, I got some pictures. License, right? Yeah, I got some pictures of it to put up uh, of the pilot boat coming in out of Point Judah. There's one in there. Um, mm-hmm. But it's pretty neat. They'll actually like, and they'll even, if it's really rough, they'll turn the big ship to get oh, definitely. the pilot. Uh, and try get, to get the pilot on the lee side of the ship. Right, so it's it not getting beat. It acts yeah. almost and like. you got to remember, yeah. you got this stuff, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 And they're and not the, doing it. They're not the going up and down boat's the doing a lot more than the bigger boat. Yeah. And I, I've had my hand. I said, oh, my, what are we doing? <laughs> um, yeah, actually. Um, yeah, all right. Hey, Dickie, just bear with us for one minute. We're oh, going to yeah. take a break and yep. listen to our sponsor spots, and we'll be right back oh, with uh, yep. more conversation with Dickie. Hey, Rich, do these bell bottoms make me look fat? Bell bottom? Oh, wait. It must be Monday, and you're going to disco night at Captain Nick's. Well, yeah, of course I'm going to disco night at Captain Nick's. I'm the DJ, man. I got to be there. (laughs) That place is so much fun. So much fun. And the fun doesn't end after Monday, because on Tuesday and Wednesdays, we have dueling pianos, followed by Dr. Wes Chesterson's sloppy seconds. What are sloppy seconds? Well, that's when I play the piano for the rest of the drunk people there at the end of the night. That sounds fun in itself. And Thursdays, they've got live acoustic acts and full bands and DJs. Yeah. And Friday and Saturday afternoons, we have acoustic acts on the deck at 5.30. Uh, Fridays are Delaney, and then Saturdays are Buddy Rob Davis. And then Friday and Saturday nights, they've got the best live bands on Block Island, like Derek and the Fun Bags, The Blushing Brides, Fever, Neil and the Vipers, West End Blend, and the High and Mighty Brass Band, just to name a few. Yeah, and uh, the bands aren't over just because Friday and Saturday night ends. On Sunday afternoons, the Young Guns take the stage on the deck at 5.30. Sunday fun day, and what if you're hungry? They got food. Food, right? Yeah, for sure. All right. So they've serving food out of the Captain Galley seven days a week, including some late night grub. So, you know, if you're hungry, stop in late night and grab a bite. Yeah. And if you want to check out the full entertainment schedule, let's just head over to CaptainNicksBI.com. Hey, Rich, guess who I'm dressed as? Uh, let's see. You got crown, beard, trident. Are you a professional wrestler? No, I'm King Neptune, duh. Oh, sorry. King Neptune. Oh, you know what? The Neptune, that reminds me, I got some family coming out, and they're going to stay up at the Neptune house. Oh, yeah. I love that place. They've got 23 modern condo-style units, right? Yeah. What's great is they've all got full kitchens with full-size refrigerators. You know, maybe you don't want to eat out every night. You want to, you know, make something at home, or maybe you caught some fresh fish that day, and you want to cook it on your own. Right. You know what else? They've got great views and a heated pool. Tennis courts, gas grills, picnic tables. They've even got a game room with a pool table for the kiddies. Yeah, I mean, it's it's got everything you need to 
to stay there and enjoy a great visit on Block Island. Sammy and the staff, they're always on hand. If you need anything, they're they're right there for you. Sammy is so sweet and so nice. And you know what? The staff's great. And the best part is the location is awesome. You're tucked away from the hustle and bustle of downtown, but you're still a short walk to everything. The beaches, uh, restaurants, you name it. Yeah, I don't think there could be a better location. And, you know, they fill up quick in the summer, but the shoulder season is a great time to visit them as well. They they rent spring and fall. Uh, check their website, uh, NeptuneHouse.com. Cooler? Check. Ice? Check. Drinks? Check. That's everything. All right, let's head down to Fishworks. All right, I'm excited for this trip. I am too. And I, you know what's cool about Fishworks is, I mean, hey, today we're going to go out and try and catch some uh, striped bass, right? But you can get bluefish, fluke, sea bass, bonito, whatever's in season. Yeah, you can book a light tackle or fly fishing morning charter with Captain Chris for up to three people. Right. Oh, wait a minute. I invited some friends, so we might have to go out on the Harley with Captain Hank because uh, they do half trips and full day trips for up to six people. Oh, and Captain Hank is a hoot. And, of course, the shop, you know, the Fishworks Tackle Shop, they have everything you need, including pointers. If you don't want to go on a charter, they can sell you what you need, tell you where to go and how to do it. Yeah, totally. I think I might pick up uh, a hat and a T-shirt, too, because their merchandise is so on point. Yeah, good-looking stuff. They're located at 40 Ocean Avenue, and they're open every day in season and great merchandise. They really do have some cool stuff. And uh, if you want to check it out online, you can purchase all year long at www.bifishworks.com. All right. How cool is that? Ah, I love it. All right. Let's go catch some fish. Surf's up, dude. Bro, what am I going to do? I'm out of surfboard wax. I wish there was a surf shop here on Block Island. Guess what? You're in luck because there is Diamond Blue Surf Shop. Oh, my God. I love that place. But you know what, Rich? It's so much more than just a surf shop. Oh, yeah. Diamond Blue is located at the four-way at Bridgegate Square. Cool. That's on my way to the beach. And you know what? When I'm there, I think I might get a new bathing suit. But they also have hats, uh, sunglasses, footwear, surfwear, everything. Yeah, they got tons. Of great place to Christmas shop, even if it's summertime. But they, they also do rentals. They'll rent surfboards, paddleboards, wetsuits, boogie boards, kayaks and beach chairs. Yeah, and you know what? If you don't know what you're doing on a surfboard, unlike ourselves, obviously. Yeah, of course. They have lessons by some of the island's most experienced surf instructors. Rich, check this out. I never stood up on a surfboard until last summer, and it was all because of Diamond Blue. Judy was out there giving the kids some lessons, and I just went out with them, and I caught a wave. Wow, that... That's awesome. Maybe I'll try it. I don't know. I'm a little nervous, but not with those instructors. Uh, So listen, stop down and visit Jen and the gang. They're all so fun and friendly. Jen's a longtime island local, super cool and groovy. And, you know, their merchandise, if if, you you can't make it in the store, go online and uh, check them out. Yeah. What's that website address again? DiamondBlueBI.com. How are you doing? Are you comfortable? Everything good? Oh, everything's fine. Yeah. Okay, this good. is fun. This is fun, right? Yeah. That's <laughs> Bring it back, we, old members. That's what we like to hear. <laughs> yeah. Dickie, I have a question for you. Uh, I, I don't know why it's popped in my head. Did you ever, when you were out fishing, did you ever pull anything up weird out of the ocean that you didn't know what it was or something you weren't expecting? You know, this this is nice that you're asking this question. <laughs> All right. Oh, I like it when I ask a good question. A, a friend of mine, and I hope he listens to this, his name is James Nelson. This is a couple months ago. Oh, wow. Oh, I know James. Right. He's uh, is yeah. Ed McGovern. brother Some Okay, uh, relationship uh, there. Oh, well, anyhow, it was Channel 10. I believe Channel 10 News was down in Point Judith because of uh, there was a, you know, a body that somebody had brought in or this or that. But anyhow, 
they were getting there was a uh, the boat that rides going down the Virginia Maurice. Well, James ha- happened to be walking down the dock. I don't know if I got it completely right, but it's close enough. And the guy asked him. He said, uh, "You a fisherman?" Yeah. He says, "But I got to go over and help. Do you mind?" Because they wanted some more pictures and stuff. So one of the reporters asked the exact same question that you did. <laughs> and James says, oh, yeah, we drag up a person's head or something every once in a while. Oh, my God. Get out of town. <laughs> yeah, the guy, the guy goes, I can't say that. <laughs> Do they, though? Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, well, oh, I've, had, I've had stuff that I've told up, you know, like when we're dragging. I said, uh-oh, this don't look good. And I said, just wash everything overboard. You didn't see nothing. Yep. Oh. I'm serious. Yeah. I'm well, saying they get involved yeah. in all that stuff. Yeah, no, no, no. Oh, no. How about all. anything? Did you ever pull up any, like, not buried treasure, anything valuable that was, like, you know, uh, you just happened to find? Or? No. Yeah. The one thing that, and it, this just happened maybe a month ago, you wouldn't think that this day and age is still stuff from World War II. Yeah. That just happened. That, it was, yeah, that I was, heard I, about I know that, that guy who actually was the Ocean State. And they took it, they they took them off the boat, and somebody come out, and sure enough, it was live, still live, like a live torpedo. Was, yeah, it was a live torpedo, right? Wow. Yeah. I've never, myself personally, have never got any of that. Okay. But it's been quite a few of them. There was one years and years ago uh, on the Northern Lights, and they towed it up, and uh, Jimmy Mello had the boat at the time. She's, she's not, I don't think she's even around now, but and of course he's passed away. But they fished all, finished the whole trip out, and the thing was live, <laughs> and they had it tied to the rail. It could, you know, anything cow. could have. It didn't, so they took it down off of Charleston somewhere and set her off. But there's been <laughs> over the years, there's been quite a few, more to do with like depth charges. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, because see, yep. there was always people didn't realize there was always submarines around here. Right. You know. Oh and, yeah. We've got a couple structures on the island that were, I think, built. Oh, yeah, during oh, yeah. for that purpose oh and, definitely right, right. Yeah. and same thing in point judith yeah and what uh i can remember my father telling me about because you get a lot of fog here too that that's back before you know no cure any of that and they'd come up to uh, recharge their batteries and stuff right off of southeast light <laughs> and, you know and then you know when off they'd go but there was there was a lot of uh activity around here during world war ii that you know, people didn't realize that this was not a place that they didn't go to. Oh, no. It's something, fact, one of the eeriest things, I think it was um, uh, David Lewis. Was it Was it him that talked about the sound off in the distance of the depth charges? Was it, oh, probably. Was is. it David or I was it I can't remember. It might have been Keith. I, 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 well, whichever just, one of them was on. Right, yeah. 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 So then they said you'd sit in the evening and you would just hear them sub-hunting with the depth charges and it sounded oh, like thunder. Oh, oh, yeah. You know? Yep. That, that, that to me made me like, too. Too. Yeah. Right. You know? Oh, yeah. So weird. In fact, uh, where Keith, Keith and I are very close and- what he's, what he has, it wasn't too long ago. He says, Dick, what are all those boats doing? And it's like be southwest of here between here and Montauk, but offshore more. There was scallops, but they could hear them, you know. He could hear them and see their lights. Oh, he yeah. thought they were dry. He says, no, that scallops, pretty much most of them are like up from, you know, Cape May, New Jersey, uh, you know, even the Virginia and stuff. Uh, it's in the winter months, uh, instead of going all the way to Georgia's and stuff. But this, there's a lot of boats. A lot of boats come and go by this island. One of the things that I had told the guys that were on watch, I said, wake me up about, you know, because we all held a two, three-hour watch. They said about five miles from the island because they didn't realize, 
you plot a course for Point Judith, Block Island's right in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, I don't care how good you are. It's my responsibility. Yeah. I said, at least five miles, because if you don't and you're not paying attention, We'll be up, and there's been a lot of boats come ashore here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of oh, boats. Yeah. Especially on that south side. Oh, yeah, know, exactly. Yeah. Right? Because of not paying attention. Yeah. The last good one was, uh, uh, maybe not the last good one, the last good one I remember was down um, by Lewis Farm. Oh, right, yeah. Well, right that, down there on yeah. the. See, a lot of them were there because if you went on the west side, that's on the west side of the island, yeah. you got that in Montauk. It cut it a little so too, too tight. Too, too tight, correct. Yeah. Back, so I used to, if the wind was northeast or easterly, you always plotted to the western because now you're in the lee of the island all the way to North Light. Yep, yep. Which is, you know, that's quite a little distance from one end to the other out on the water. And it's, you know, you're in the lee of the land. Or if I had to, decided to lay too and it was easterly, it would lay over there. And if it was westerly, it would lay on the other side. I always love those ferry rides where it's, terrible when it's south um southeast south, probably yeah <laughs> and you once no no not the southeast southwest oh so you got the big swell and it's rough and then about 15 minutes you the last 15 minutes you get in the lee and it's like not, it's like a different boat oh, all exactly together. Oh, yeah. oh definitely you're like oh thank god yeah. you know I, oh, some of those rough <laughs> hey dicky i got a question so did you go to school did you grew up going to school out here no no oh, i went okay. to school my brother brother went here next my brother was in i don't know if you know you're in mitchell yeah, yeah, he and sure. Adrian are both the same age, and they went. He went to school. My brother went to school here for well, quite a while. Right. And my sister, I didn't know. And where, so, you, where were you? Where'd you go, go, to, go school to school? Was right well in Narragansett. My Narragansett. mother yeah. came here as a school teacher from Bridgewater State Teachers College, and that's how she met my father. Which, uh, and of course, they they stayed here. But uh, the family left here, not not completely, but. Uh, he fished out of here and Point Judith because yeah. he was lobster fishing. And, and then in the winter months, he'd go on boats dragging. Yeah. Well, with the boat that I had, the Ocean Clipper, we did both dragging and uh, sod fishing. Okay. But so what the, year did you come out here and start living full time? Uh, well, my mother and father came here quite a few, probably when he was like 70 years old and stayed here full time. I've only been here maybe full time. Probably maybe 12, 15 years. Oh, okay. But I've also been, I was here every summer. Yeah, every summer. Every summer. Yeah. I went fish, fishing with my father out of here. Yeah. Uh, there was a couple summers that I fished with different ones, and I ended up coming, because the way I look at this is my home, and I love being here. Yeah. And my father would always say, are you going to go fishing with me this year? I said, Dad, if you want me to, <laughs> which you know I did. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Make it sound oh, like you're, no, uh, he was, yeah, if you play your cards right. I'll although go with you. the arguments yeah, yeah. the arguments we used to have, because I'm pretty stubborn myself, and I'd quit three times by the time we got to the breaker and get fired four. <laughs> 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 and then when the day was over, we were all back putty putty uh, again. Yeah. Oh, that's how uh, it is. But that's family. Yeah. I mean when you're yeah, fa- and when you're when you're stuck on a boat, right. you know, with nowhere to go with your family for days and weeks at a time, I can imagine, you know, you're gonna have some disagreements about yeah, I'll tell you another things. story about the fog was right here. Uh, I used to have a spare a spare harpoon. And what I would do is practice on sharks, my brother up aloft and somebody else, <laughs> but I'd lay it down on the deck right near the stand so I could pick it up. Well, we always had a compass right there too. So you could look down to see a course and my father would go lay down to do something on deck or whatever. 
So he said, well, you know, uh, steer north-northeast for such a period of time, this and that, and let me know. Well, little did I stop to think, the iron that's on the end of the swordfish bowl. Oh, <laughs> no, he's messing with the compass. <laughs> and I kept, <laughs> I kept going, I said, something isn't right here. We've been way too long. It looks a lot like Hawaii. Yeah, well, you know, the fog lifted, it hits the new London boat going by us. <laughs> Because I had some choice words for my father. What are you doing? <laughs> and then he saw it. He said, no, it's an honest mistake. But it's something like that, you wouldn't think about it. So yeah, that, that spare uh, pole was right there. Right was about that far from the compass. You <laughs> uh, used to lifted. practice on sharks? Oh, yeah. I used to all the time. No yeah. kidding. What kind of sharks did you get? They're mostly blue sharks. Blues, yeah, yeah. I blues. mean, that. somebody thinks they're going sword fishing, half ponen. There's a lot more to it than what you think there is. It's... Somebody'd say, "Oh yeah, I've I've been and I I I've been I've been a striker." I said, "How many fish have you get?" He says, "I know one or two. I said, "Then that's something. Isn't that nice." <laughs> <laughs> when did the uh, harpoon? What year did the harpoons go away and the either the dragging or or lines? Well, what to... what literally put them out of business is what they called long lining. Yeah, long that's lining. what I, right? I did yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and there was I there were my father even thought about doing it part time. You know, out here, but the trouble was you had to go way offshore because the closer that you get to shore, the more sharks you got. Okay. You know, and then to... just eat all the fish that were on the long line well, as you were pulling them so, in. So, uh, some of them would. One of the worst times we had harpooning was down off of Nomans, and they're called gray sharks, and they're always underwater. They don't pin, but they're big and they're bad looking things. That and hammerheads. Yeah. Well, you'd haul the, you would haul one of the swordfish that you got, you'd haul it back, and it was almost like looking at a commercial where the fish's head and the tail and nothing but bones in between. <laughs> wow. It was weird. Yeah. We got earlier, we went to George's. I mean, we could have made a living right there if them damn sharks weren't there, but, yeah, you know, I think we had, we lost five or six fish one day just to the sharks. The seals will do that, too, if you're fishing like stri bluefish oh, or striper. Yeah. Oh, definitely. By the time you get it up to the boat, there's just the head left. Oh, definitely. And they know not to eat the mouth. They know not to eat the head because the, yeah, they know, they're yeah, smart. Yeah, it's unbelievable how they do it, too, right? Yeah. They, they usually go right from the belly and work up, and it's but that's well, usually when it's real warm water is the rule. And that change with long lining was that, you know, as a sight-spearing sword fisherman, you could pick the fish. And right. if a fish was only a 12-pound fish, you didn't bother. Right. You know, it's Which, not worth the trouble, right. and you want to let it grow up to be a big fish. Right. Long lining, no forgiveness. It Whatever bites, right. it's, it's hooked. Well, it's what dead. they did, that, that was originally. Then, then when uh, the uh, United States put in a 200-mile limit along with it called from the Hague Line. Well, then you had to have, they're called councils. You had to have the Northeast Council, which did formed all these rules. And then you had the Mid-Atlantic Council and the Southeast Council. And then the Northeast Council was lead council, like for codfish haddock and all that stuff. The Mid-Atlantic was a mixture of uh, Southern fish and, uh, you know, Flounders and whatnot. Yeah, and spawning fish that right. would move. Like right. we, what exactly. used to be the weak fish. I haven't seen one in ever. We caught uh, a lot of those in the when did yeah. When did long lining come in? The 60s, 70s? In the 60s. 60s. Right. And then when did but, these... Well, first yeah. of all, it came in for us. They had been doing long lining. The Japanese. Yeah. Uh, Asia. Uh, Asia. They, yeah, they had been yeah. doing it for years okay. and years. And they, they a lot of people don't realize when they set that long line, it'd be like 30 miles. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And a hook every maybe 90 feet or so. And then, so what the federal government did, they 
cut that pot back, but they also put in, they put in size limits. Uh, it had to be, uh, you couldn't have, have fish like uh, the length of them. I forgot what the length was, but it would be like a hundred pound fish. It had to be at least a hundred pounds. Well, there's only one trouble with that theory. They're dead. Well, they're dead, but also they don't really start to spawn until they're bigger than that. Oh, so, so you're still taking all you're of the still breeder, taking, the right? breeder uh, fish. So I was on Mid-Atlantic Council for a good many years, and also I did a lot of stuff with the uh, Southeast Council as far as you go to meetings and stuff and you know, do just like we are and now talk about stuff that you've seen happen. And that's the long line, and it definitely put a big-time hit on uh, sword fishing. Yeah. And, and what year did yeah. it really become ish? Around what time was it in when, the when 70s. it be, in the seventies yeah, when it 70s, became like seventies, yeah. early eighties? Yeah. So all yeah. the all the local yeah. small fishing There's, boats were well, out of business basically. Yes. Yeah. You went to back in those days, of course, even when when we used to do it, you went down to George's Bank, the northern edge. But you could go another fifty miles further than you can right now, all the way across that canyon and around the corner and up to the northeast peak and then the northern edge. You can't do any of that anymore. Yeah. You've cut way back. So that naturally, you know, we still did it to a point where monetarily we're doing as well, maybe a little bit better than we would be if we're dragging. But before, you know, when like I say, the cruise that you had and you you put the time in, just like anything else, you know, you had some big trips. And, you know, monetarily, you did it also. That big trip that we had, uh, and I used to keep all the prices of how much a pound. We averaged $1.65 a pound. Now, it's 5 or $6 a pound. If, yeah. If, and probably more. more yeah, probably yeah. more, right? Yeah. And also, you don't have those big trips because the cost of going and doing it. Well, and the plane it. and everything else, it just isn't, if it you isn't don't, there. You got to put, you got to, if you're... $2,500 or something, ridiculous thousands of dollars just to get ready to go. And if you don't catch anything, all lost. Yeah. Right. Well, we've had those. Right yeah. now, it's over 10 grand. Just over 10 grand it costs you to go. Right. Wow. You know, for the period of time that we do over that, because of the price of fuel effects. The only reason we really did it, we'd make one trip, maybe two trips, but most generally one. It's just we've all been sword fishing uh, before yeah. all our life. It's nostalgia. It's Oh, we can, you know, we always had fish. Oh, they're never going to catch nothing, this and that. Well, you stay long enough, I would hope so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> eventually. That's, yeah. That's, that's a little. Did you ever get into fishing for anything else besides swordfish or was oh, that? Well, oh, yeah, no, I yeah. did. We went dragging in the winter. We dragged a net behind us. Okay. In other words, we were a dragger and sword fishing in the summer. And, yeah. And it was like from the first, well, middle of June, 10th or 12th of June, you wanted to be out there from then. And there was one year that we went, and I'll never forget it. We were off in Nova Scotia, and we got 12 fish on the 12th day of October. <laughs> and, so, and I sent a message from, because we went into Nova Scotia, there was a hurricane coming. And I, I called my wife, and I said, well, don't get too big a turkey. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just tease it, you know. But usually. She but, said, I'm married to one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> There's probably quite a comment on the side on that, no yeah. doubt. <laughs> but. Uh, Usually it'd be, you, you you didn't go to the northern edge usually until the, say the first first week of August, and by the middle of September, you pretty much there were still fish there, but 
the weather was always you didn't get the yeah. weather day shorter and yeah. to get the plane down there because uh, on on the northern edge side the fish were mostly underwater all the time yeah. very few finning so what were you dragging for when you well were just like right out here it's just I, I just sold the boat not too well it is now probably 10 years ago but you you what you did was before all these quotas went into effect whatever you were going to get the most money for that's what you targeted okay right. but now they got all these quotas you can't have this you can't have that and you think you would say well geez that's that'll push the price up no just the opposite you're big like like you were the restaurant you knew that you had to have x amount of pounds of fish or steak or anything right and if you weren't guaranteed that you were going to get that you go to somewhere where you can get it yeah so the, the what that did was literally drive the fish price down huh. right now the fish price as of say two or three days ago uh i was talking to like i say different i talked to different guys every day as far as this fishing stuff how they're doing and uh, actually, I got some coming on the boat today. A friend of mine sent some over for me. But Fluke right now, the other day, brought back to, brought back to the boat, these are medium-large Fluke, 90 cents. That's nothing. That's literally, that's why Rod's, Rod's tying up for a couple of weeks because he said, geez, I, you know, the price of everything else goes up and fish yeah. prices are going down. Yeah. So halibut, the, Halibut's pretty expensive. Oh, yeah. Yes, it is. This halibut on this Atlantic halibut, we used to catch around the light ship from there to the east, but you very seldom see one yeah. now. What's your favorite fish to eat? Uh, it would be a codfish, or ac actually haddock, codfish, and uh, as far as on the flatfish, they're called yellowtail flounders. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They, 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 they there's a difference. They're a flounder. But the taste is unbelievable. How do you feel yeah. about black sea bass? Do you like they're sea very bass? good. I like black very, sea bass. Oh, they're oh, very how good. How do you like to prepare? Just classic, traditional? I, well, what I usually do is I dress them off. See, they're a very bony fish. Yeah. So the amount that you get off of them, you get a real big sea bass, you know, like a jumbo sea bass, the flazer. But they're, oh, they're excellent. Yeah. They're, and and the sea, but everything's got a quota on it. Yeah. And if you don't meet the quota, then the next year you get less, less of a quota. <laughs> And size yeah, it's like a, and I, he, I haven't caught a keeper fluke because I think keeper for recreational is a little bit bigger than the. Than oh, the definitely. Oh, oh, definitely. You, you got to be like 19 inches or something. It, uh, oh, that's a big fluke. I mean, right. This yes, summer, is, I, right. I yeah. caught dozens, 18, 18 and a half. Right. You just couldn't quite find yeah. the 20 Wouldn't inches. make it right. No, it's hard. It's hard. It's been a while. So and there were, there were places that we went. It's funny how this worked, too, that the size of the fish, for some reason, way to the west, it, the fish are smaller. Uh, now down on Georgia's, I, I fluked down there for quite a few years in the winter months, long ways to go, but they were pretty much all jumbos. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's nothing to trip a bag on deck and have all these jumbos. I said, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Look at yeah. the size of these. Because they get big, six, oh, seven, eight pounds. A lot more than that. More, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I haven't caught anything yeah, bigger no, than that for but, the shore. But now it doesn't even cost to go down there to do that because the quotas, what they have for a quota, and then when the quotas met, and all what it costs you to go down there. See, before that, uh, those regulations went into effect. So it's become a hard industry to survive. Oh, it is. Yeah, you know, and yeah. It, it for is. years it's been a cat and mouse game where well, correct. the government comes in and makes well, new rules, so the fishermen figure out to try to find a way to. Well, I used to. One of the things that see, it's the it's called uh, the nine o two guidelines of uh, catches, amount of quotas, and all this stuff. And it's made up of uh, industry, scientific community, and uh, the fishermen themselves. So you, you beat right off the bat 
two to one. Two to one. Right. But you still went. We used to, when I was on the board, we'd go down to uh, Pennsylvania, actually Philadelphia or New York or whatever, go to these meetings. And you leave there with, well, that didn't amount to nothing to do. <laughs> right. You had to, you, you did it. because we most meetings. Yeah. 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 If, if you didn't go, then you say, well, we don't need this one. I don't know we're showing up. Yeah. Yeah. But you feel defeated. Going it, oh, yeah. There was nowhere. a, I won't say his name, a guy that was on the board with us. He's passed away now. And we were at this meeting and they asked him to speak. Well, he got up there to speak and here's these guys looking at magazines. He literally said, excuse me. What's the matter? He said, you invited us to come down here to tell you how, how things are going fishing. Would you please give us the courtesy of listening to us instead of reading that mad that uh, magazine? Although he put it to him, and everyone clapped. Because, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it is, really. I yeah. mean, you they had to do this, this management council. You had to invite these people to come and speak, but that doesn't mean— You got to listen. That, no, it really, it was, it was yeah. sad. It was sad. It was too, too bad. That was I was on like I say I was an advisor to the Atlantic Atlantic Council and yeah. I made sure to go to those mainly because not just me it was all the guys that were on the board of directors we always went to them because if you didn't then the next time they'd pass something without you the stuff right. that we right. wanted was mainly on the fluke fishery yeah and what we did was we got a lot of stuff what it was it was put aside for another six months but in six months the government did just exactly what they wanted to do yeah that was that was the reading that we had common just, practice yeah it just made them give them another yep. six months well of, it's kind of like block island a little bit if you go away in the winter time sometimes there's things that go through the town council in the middle of winter yeah. and you show up <laughs> yeah. you're like, wait a minute when did that happen hey oh they passed it in the middle of february yeah, nobody right. was here yeah, was that's, like, that's yeah. a sore oh, yeah. subject Dick, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah i go to those too and I, yeah. I don't do that anymore <laughs> yeah no kidding, no kidding hey dickie let me ask you now that you're you know you're you're you know a little later on in life, what are you doing? What are you doing these days? For you, you taking it easy, you relaxing. Yeah, Jim, what are you well, doing? the thing is, all the years, as far as uh, social security, uh, commercial fishermen didn't have to, you know, have stuff taken out and all this. If there was a amount of people, and uh, it was like the farmers, whatever. But I always told everybody, I says, make sure you put something aside because. You're going to, oh, pay it later. And yeah. They never, and they never did. Well, I made sure from, I started started on that when I was 16 years old. And the other thing, I started collecting when I was uh, 66 instead of 62. That made quite a difference. Right. But since then, I'm yeah. bored. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I still funny. see you out there driving the taxi a little, yeah, yeah, a little summer. bit. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. A few shifts out you know, there. Yeah, just something to do. Yeah, yeah. That's sitting. Uh, I was on the phone today with somebody. I said, you know, you sit in and look out the window. Only oh, somebody and people say, "Oh, go for a ride." Yeah, go for a ride or a block island. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Running a circle. Yeah. How do you changed. like? How do you like driving a cab? Uh, they loved it. Yeah, yeah. You I like t- hanging out, talking to the people, and no, not really. I <laughs> love talking to the people in the cab. <laughs> That's what I mean. Oh, oh I thought you meant the other people. Oh no, oh, no, 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 not the, those people. The visitors are okay to talk. It was to. funny. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. thinking about this. This is something really. People, when they take a tour, it isn't just well, it's seven miles long, three and a half miles wide. Da da da. That isn't what they want. They want the history. That's yeah, why we yeah. have you here. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, they want the history. This is something you guys are gonna laugh at this. Uh, over at Dead Eye Dicks. Her name was Cecil Dodge, and her husband's name was Dick Dodge. Now, Ellen Dodge had told me, I said, 
how come they called him called it Dead Eye Dicks? He said, well, Dick Dodge used to watch the bar. And when he saw somebody was stealing from him, that's how they named him Dead Eye, because he had a dead eye for watching people steal from the bar. Oh, really? So, so I only got this part. So anyhow, I got these people in a cab. Now, this is where it gets people right off the bat. I said to him, I said, and his wife's name was Blind Mary. No. So, yeah. I said, he, then I used to take a stake and put it in the flats and put a rope on it and tie it to her and let her go in a circle, clam it. And a friend of mine, Fred Jones, and I would sneak out and steal the clams that she had because she was blind. Well, he would come out and give her a hell and put the rope out longer. So now the people in the car are completely going up, <laughs> going, going, going up toward, going up toward the uh, police station. Even Macklin might have been cheap. They don't know. But anyhow, they'd look at me. Did you really do that? No. <laughs> I said her name was Cecil Dodge. We sold fish to her. Anyhow, Blind but, but, well, I had a lot of different stories. There was some. Another one was. Uh, you know, over uh, just after you go by, uh, oh, uh, on Lakeside Drive, I forgot the name. It's where Mitchell Lane is, but there's a, a pond out there with all these lily pads and stuff. Yeah. Well, in the in the summer. Oh, Seneca Swamp, maybe. Yeah. Oh, yes, it is. A little, yes. yep, little yep. turnaround there. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right where the turnaround is. Yep. People would say, uh, "What is this?" I says, "Oh, that's the only cranberry bog on Block." <laughs> <laughs> so, and I was. So a guy, I had a guy, he says, excuse me, what'd you say? I said, that's still a cranberry bog. He says, they don't do it anymore. He says, I don't blame him because those aren't cranberries. A, he says, that's the business I'm in. <laughs> I said, well, that didn't work. When I, my first my first job out here in, in uh, summers was renting mopeds. Oh, yeah. And I was the guy that used to show you how to drive the moped. Right. And we used to, t me and my buddies that I worked with, would tell the, the people that rented the moped, would say, yeah, now, when you go around the west side, uh, you wanna you wanna park your moped at the Mohegan Bluff, or sorry, when you go down to the Mohegan Bluffs, there's right. a parking lot. And there's a bunch of stairs. You go down there and you you keep walking down the beach about a mile. And there's an <laughs> old haunted mine in there, <laughs> oh, no, and then you went, oh, we'd send, uh, we'd have people looking for like buried uh, treasure and stuff, uh, and well, they come you know, back. We didn't find it. It's no wonder yeah. Billy Joel won't call us back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> God, he used to come here a lot. Did you ever see him? Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. You know the other one that came here that. My family got to be pretty friendly with, and I did too. Was the country western singer Jimmy Dean, the pork oh, sausage yeah, guy? Yeah. Yeah. He used to tie up at the Champlains, and the name of his boat was the Big Bad John. That was the song that he'd made. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But he loved to go sword fishing. He loved to go fishing. Well, was there was a guy from Long Island, Perry Derrier. His name was, uh, and he actually he ran for governor in New York one time. Anyhow, they were very close, so. He had this jacket on because he, anytime we came in the Ocean Clipper, everybody wanted to go aboard this and that. And this was years later, but I, I knew him a long time. And, uh, you know, I never said anything to anybody, but this guy, Richard Adams, that was with us, he says, Dick, that guy looks familiar. I says, Yeah, so, because we had a lot of different celebrities over the years come up, just wanted to see it. Yeah. yeah. So, anyhow, sure. so, anyhow, I said, Did you see what he had on his, on his jacket, Richard? Yeah, it said Big Bad John. He took off like a shot. <laughs> go down and see this guy. Uh, he was, you know, those people want their life too. They don't want yeah. to be chased around. No, he was, oh, no, he no. was a super nice guy. Yeah. Super nice yeah. guy. Yeah. There's, there's been a lot of them over the years. You need to leave them alone. Oh, yeah. Sure. You know, you yeah. just, 
and because you could recognize him because you've seen him on TV or this or that or whatever. But uh, he came here quite a bit. Uh, what you call it? Uh, I'll never forget my mother. There was a boat also in there called the Falcon, tied up at ship. He came every year and. Uh, he had to stand on everything. A super nice guy, he and his wife. Uh, so anyhow, my mother and father were very friendly with him and this and that. But I'll never forget, we were over there one time, my father and I, and uh, uh, what you call it, uh, Marion said, see that boat over there, Stanley? My father's name was Stanley. He says, yeah. He says, that's that country western singer, Jimmy Dean. And they were friendly with him. He says, come on over, introduce yourself. They went over. So my father said to me, he says, Dick, now we're going to have fun with your mother tonight. When she comes over here, yeah, I want you to come down to down to uh, the Falcon with me. So my father goes, while well, she's standing there, and the other people are all having a cocktail. He says, uh, "See that boat over there? I think that's that country western guy on there." Really? You know, the different ones saying because they don't know him. My mother's looking. She says, "Is it really?" I says, "Yeah." So my father says, "I gotta go over and introduce myself," and I'm going. My mother goes, Stanley, don't you dare. Don't you dare do that. What the heck is the matter with you? So, so so he gets over there, and Jimmy goes, Agnes, come on over and have a drink with us. Oh, boy. <laughs> she, she couldn't get off that boat quick enough. <laughs> it's oh, a, it's okay. I said, Bob, I'm in a hurry. No, no, everything's fine. <laughs> uh, stuff like, That was typical Black Iowa stuff. On Sundays, people would go to Dead Eye Dicks, and they had a a washed up band over here, Billy Stubbs. Billy and, Stubbs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, and they'd get to dancing and all this stuff. And that was that was what they did Sunday. Yeah. You know, that's and they did I've Billy Stubbs, of, that was the big thing to oh, yeah, oh, Billy yeah. was like a, a he was a rock star out oh, here. That was it was unbelievable. Yeah. That was a you love this. I went in there where you had the ocean clipper and you, you remember Billy Milliken? Yeah. 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 Right. Well Billy was a cop at the time. So he comes into Dead Eyes and I'm dancing. He goes, Jack, can I talk to you for a minute? I said, sure. I said, go on outside. He said, uh, get in the car. It's a cop car. I said, you know, something wrong? I do so. He said, no. He says, but you can't dance in there. He says, you can't. That's all my mother and father did for years. What you call it? There was somebody tending bar, because you remember the bar was in a separate room to the right. Yep, yep. And I won't, I won't tell you who she was, but I know you know and she complained that I was out there dancing. So, so yeah. So we're going over. We were tied up in front of ballots. So we're going over. He says, I'm going to take you over to the boat. I says, no, I'll get out right here. Well, I didn't know you can't get out of the back door. It's a cop car. <laughs> <laughs> I says, it's not all work, Bill. He says, no, 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 it'll work. So we get we get down. He says, oh, yeah, all right now. I says, what, what's wrong? Then he told me what had happened. I said, you got to be kidding me. He says, no. He says, do anything you want. He says, but I got called to go over there. He says, I didn't think it was going to be you, though. <laughs> <laughs> now, wait, were you not supposed to be dancing there or exactly. Evidently, that's what she thought. So no she kidding. called the cops because I'm going to say, wait a minute. Because I talked <laughs> well, about, you know, my mother. Well, you have to have a license for dance, right? Well, that's, that's one true, of the things you, when you do your liquor license yeah. application. I didn't know. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. right. Yeah. Technically. Yeah, right. that's true. Oh, there was a lot wow. of fun in that place. That was, they did it, always did it on Sunday afternoons. Yeah. And a big group would get together. Yeah. Sunday fun day. Yeah. And it was like, it was usually the same people that would come. Oh, oh, it definitely. was like the local. Who else oh. was part of that scene? Oh, it was Bill then? Hall yeah. and oh Billy Butler. All these people have passed away a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, it was quite a few of them. There was a, a, you might remember, a long time ago, there was a guy that had a home here, 
and it's right. It's torn down now. It was, you know where the Savican restaurant used to be? Yeah, yeah. Right? Well, the house was right there, and his name was Captain Bob. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He came here a lot. Children's artist. Right, exactly. Yeah. Kids in, show. In Boston, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, he was one of the people. He used to love to go down to Payne's Dock uh, in the morning because all these other people, like my father, he always went down there and sat at a table and told stories and everything else well he that was his home he had here and he yep i was, remember i was yeah, in there yeah, I, yeah, I was yeah. in the he, house he came here for years oh yeah, yeah. uh no doubt he's passed away too but uh they tore that down the Savik where the Savikin is i think land uh nature conservancy and land trust or something i believe it's their property property now yeah I th I, i'm not sure I, I think it's the next one on the left so somebody i think somebody built a, a house there it's, oh, uh, oh. Yeah, Scotty Hines, I think, built it, but I'm I'm 99 sure that's where it was. So before oh, you get yeah, to yeah, like yeah. Gasner's Pond, right. there's one house and a little garage there. Nice folks, yeah, right, right, and, right. Um, and that's I think where the that that house was. And I oh, think they yeah, because it, it was right, right there, yeah, yeah. just past us, so right, they, exactly. But, yeah, yeah. but he was yeah. he was the same. He was super nice guy, super nice guy. I remember yeah. him, yeah. He did those children's programs. Yeah, wasn't that on like Channel Thirty Eight out of Boston? It was out of Boston. It was yeah, out of Boston. I think I saw yeah. it when I was a little little yeah. kid. Yeah, like, and I, he was on. When and he first got cable. And he would do little things out here too. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah you know, well, he, he, would, had, he would set up and do stuff for the kids. Well, uh, he had some characters on the show, and one of them was named after Mott Conley, which is, was part of the Conleys going up toward the school on the right. He was, you know, a commercial fisherman, and then different different people that were at Block Island. That were characters, and you know that he had brought, you know that introduced to the kids. Uh, other words, you know people that he named after people over here. Yeah, oh, <laughs> oh, he was very well. Cool. I didn't Easter know that. eggs. Yeah, before yeah. Before the time, the yeah, yeah, a little hidden. But yeah, he, he, he he pretty much every morning he'd be over to Payne's Dock and Junior Payne and all the group of you know Cliff's father Junior Frank and different different people. It was a regular gathering, like a eight-person table that they'd all sit at and have a coffee and a donut and yeah. start telling stories. Hold court. <laughs> yeah. You know, if it ain't true, it will be by the end of this donut. Exactly. Yeah. Dickie, where can we find you uh, this summer? If you, do you hold court anywhere? Where Where do you hang out now? I hang out usually at the High View. At the High View? Okay. You know all those pictures that are in the High View? Yeah, the Weatherbees. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, he, he wrote a book and I'm in it. Get out of town. Yeah, I got it at home. and I'm in two of them. The other one's called The Sword. But the the Weatherbees is nonfiction is fiction excuse me nonfiction yeah. and the sword is fiction. Oh, oh Jack, Jack Lynch's Lynch. books. Yeah, he yeah, and I yeah, were, yeah. Well, yeah. I've got the the original copies, you know, prints. Yeah, right, right over here. I know those are and, highly sought after. Well, yeah. Well, what Jack asked me to proofread them, you know, certain things are a little screwy in them. <laughs> but that as you go through the door, yeah. on the right, a guy harpoon and a swordfish. Yeah, that's my grandfather. The, well, that's go. your grandfather, yeah. the, the famous striker. No kidding. Yep. Yeah, the striker. It's right on the wall. The one in Club through. Soda down yeah. there. Yeah. And when you were talking about working there, yeah. the dining room that was upstairs, they had all kinds of paintings up there, too. Yeah. Oh, on yeah. On the wall. Yeah. What you caught, bought those, uh, was uh, Phil Noel. And they're in uh, old weather, the old weather okay. station. Yeah. But 
those pictures that are down, that was all Weatherby the whole way around. It's like a mural yeah. of the whole island. Yeah, it's but famous. The, right, but the guy striking that swordfish was my father, grandfather. I, I, yeah, I did not know cool. that. Yeah, a lot of people don't. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I used to I used to get a lot of jobs out of there, like the cab thing. Yeah. I'd bring people up there, and they'd say, come on, come on in with us, because I'd tell them about that stuff. And I says, I can't. I'm doing work for crying out loud. <laughs> well, will you come back? You know something? After I got rid of it, I did. I'd go back, and some sometimes they'd be there. When, it was fun. It was yeah. a lot of fun. That's what you're supposed to be doing, having fun. That's right. And Amen that, that, that place brings, and I still call it the high view. I don't call it Club Soda. I do it on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the Wheelhouse Lounge. <laughs> yeah, right. right? Wasn't yeah. that Carol and Audrey? Uh, yeah, right. Oh, that, yeah. That was three, where there was three girls, she and two others, yeah. and they used to be, well, after that, they were down to Dead Ice also, I think. They came back a few years ago. Yeah. There's quite a few. Now. Yeah, I believe Rita Draper was bringing them out, and they they do a couple shows at uh whatever. I think uh, the stage name was Two of Hearts. Two of Hearts. That yeah. was what they called themselves. Two of Hearts. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that's that's still. Uh, Rick, I can't remember his last name. Uh, he has, you know, he's him and uh, uh, is well, Amasa has passed away, but uh, they run the bar and whatnot. Yep. But it's it's pretty much the same now as it was. Oh yeah, where that where that bar is, years and years ago, when you're sitting at the bar looking right at you know you're only that far away from the wall, there was a little swordfish that was mounted up there, and that was struck by Mark Conley because there's a picture of him in there too. He's the guy that's sitting like when you come around a corner, and there's a boat called the Maggio. That was after Maggio Keith. He's sitting there looking at something. And that was Mont Conley. It's wow. still it's still there. I mean, they touch yeah. them up now and then. Yeah. But uh, Jack Lynch got the uh, copyrights of. I guess you can't do anything to him. I don't know how that works, but he had something to do with it. Jack did. He and I were very friendly. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. We I, had him on as a guest, actually. Oh, did we, you? We yeah. were lucky enough. It just you know, I was. To work uh, out. He just died a couple months ago. Not yep, even, maybe yep. that long. I didn't even know he was sick. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't. He no. just it came on quick and he yeah. went quick. But yeah. we, nice, we found nice, one nice, of the nicest men. Nice and, guy. And just right? really great. And we. Because um, he had a house. Well, they sold the house, Nachi, but it's Sheffield Farm. Yeah. And yeah. Blake Phelan was. The one that built it. That's right. Yeah, he told yeah, us the story. I officiated his granddaughter's wedding, and I happened to Sam and said, I'd love to record some stories with you on the podcast. And he's like, well, I'll be out for one week this summer. And sure enough, he came and he met with us, and we just sat and talked for an hour, yeah. and it was great. And then sadly, you know, yeah, right. later, we, I miss him. You know, good man. Oh, really he good, he good man. He loved fishing. Yeah. He, he loved Texas And he loved teaching kids to oh, fish. Yeah. Everything he did was there was some giving in there as right. well. You yeah. know, well, he, he just was a giving taught, guy. I think he taught a few courses of law down at Georgetown at one time. Yeah, he oh, did yeah. a lot of things he back did a lot He of was a, one of the smartest guys uh, I've ever nice, met. Nice guy. Nice guy and just Well, any of those, those you know. two books, uh, The Sword, I think it had two different uh, two, two uh, different times that it came out. He did very well with it. In fact, he gave me one and autographed it and this and that. But all the all the beginning work before he had it published, I've got right home here, you know, to proofread and go over and what you know what I thought of it and take stuff out and this and well, that. Well, you're the guy to ask. I mean Well he you... was yeah, well we we, oh, we met two or three times, me, him and Elwin. Uh more than two or three times and went to dinner up there once or twice just to do stuff that are in these books. Yeah. Uh I was surprised when I Craig Curtis lives up there, and he's down in Florida now. And they were neighbors. Uh, they're the best of friends. 
if he sees us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Craig, Craig thought the world of him. The fun stuff, you know. Nobody listens to this anyway. Yeah, nobody's really oh, I, no, oh, I've no. heard quite a bit about it. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, oh. seriously. Oh, good things. People are talking, seriously. I guess. Huh? All right. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Dickie, uh, we're running short on yep. time, but uh, so many great stories. And well, just, it's fun. It was a real pleasure if to I, If I come up again, you. bring up the liar's bench. All right. You <laughs> got it. We'll save that for I, I think you're coming up again. Yeah, let's no, I, I, well, I don't want yeah, It just happened yeah. that I couldn't before. Those different oh, things yeah, come no, sure, This sure. has been great. I, yeah. I, I said to somebody, I said, geez, I hope Rich isn't mad at me, but it was just oh, there was gosh, other no. stuff. Oh, hey. You know what it is in the summertime. Well, we all we need to do is be a witness so that other people we want tell them how much fun you had, so they're not nervous about. <laughs> oh, being oh on definitely, the definitely. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to say to our listeners, thank you for listening to our fun stories with uh, Dickie, and thank you, Dickie, for being here with us. You can reach us for questions, comments, anything like that at two guys on bi at gmail.com. Yeah, and you can follow us on all the proper social media channels, uh, and please subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to it, and please, please tell your friends about the podcast. That's the most important thing. So. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, again, thanks, Dickie. Yep. Enjoyed and, uh, myself. Rich, I'll see you next week. I'll see you next time. Hey, Rich. Yeah? I was thinking about going sword fishing later today. Uh, do you have a dory you could lend me? And and, I, and I, a cast iron bathtub. I, uh, you can use the dory. You can use the cast iron tub as a dory. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Or just put down a sheet, cookie sheet pan and sit on that. Ooh. That'll probably do it. Okay. Done. What shall we do with drunken sailor? What shall we do with drunken sailor? What shall we do with drunken sailor? We'll die in the morning.